good morning everyone. If you don't know me, my name's Adrian and I'll be kind of taking us through this next part. And as kind of Gus uh, intimated at the end of worship, I really want to pick up where we left off as um, I do believe that God wants us to receive an invitation uh, this morning as we continue our series looking at Love Poured Out, as we look at this kind of amazing account of the last 24 hours before Jesus' crucifixion where Jesus kind of made sense of everything that was about to happen and brought so much comfort to the disciples in order that they'd understand that this act of death that was going to bring to his resurrection was all a moment of revealing God, whose Father, Son and Spirit's love for the whole of humanity. But I want to start off with an invitation. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the day and age we live in in terms of technology, but I still like a written invitation. I still like that moment when a an envelope comes through the post or I'm handed it and it says, you're invited. Yes, Facebook invites are nice, but there's something more specific, more individual in getting the envelope yourself. Maybe it's just me and it, it makes you feel a bit special. It makes you feel like, man, I've got an invite. Or maybe sometimes it feels it's not so special because we realise everyone else has got invites and we haven't. <laughs> and you get it and you think, this is special, but you want to open it because the next question is, what have I been invited to? And then once you find out what you've been invited to, there then comes the biggest challenge. And to be honest, this is my personal biggest challenge. And that is, am I actually going to respond to this invitation? As generally, when you're invited to something, there's these little words, RSVP, and there's usually a date that goes along by it. Please get back to us to say whether you can or can't go to this event. And what tends to happen is I think, yep, I think we probably will go there. I'll put that on my magical pile of admin. (laughs) Of the other things that are there to be dealt with, and it goes in the pile, and unfortunately tends to stay in the pile until someone who's amazing in my household, called Lucy, looks at the pile and says, are we not meant to respond to this? I said, I did, in my head. (laughs) Could they not read my thoughts? And she says, I think we've got to do it a bit more formal than that. And this morning, I guess, what I want us to see is that Jesus gives each and every one of us an invite. An invite that we're going to see comes out of this series, Love Poured Out. And actually, I've got an invite for every single person in this room. And he's going to get handed out now, hopefully. And there is enough for every single individual. And as you receive your invite, I don't want you, invite, I don't want you to open it up. I want you to leave it sealed if I could get you to be that disciplined for a moment. It'll be a few moments, actually, because what I want us to do before we open the invite, I want to take some moments to understand what this invite is all about. And how I want us to do that is by looking at the next part of the passages we've been looking at in John. And we look at some verses in John 16, which start to unpack something of an invitation that Jesus wants to give every single one of us. And in it, what we're going to discover is in that invitation, and why I don't want us to open it yet is because just like any other invitation, there has to be a moment where we say, are we going to receive it and are we going to respond to it? And we've already heard this morning Jesus come and say, actually, I'm here. Hello? Do you want to meet me? And this morning, I don't want us to hear those words and think, well, it sounded kind of a bit weird, but kind of cool. 
but rather to hear it and say, well, what if Jesus is wanting to meet us today? Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you've come this morning and you're saying, I just want to know something of who you are, God. And Jesus is coming today to say, actually, I want to reveal myself to you. Maybe it's that we say, no, no, I'm someone who's got relationship with God. That's why I'm in the room. And yet Jesus is still coming this morning to say, I invite you to come and meet with me. And so with that in mind, I want us to look, therefore, at this John chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 16 to 33. Uh, They'll appear on the screen behind in front of me. uh, And we'll just read it. I'll read it from the screen just because I find it easier just rather than kind of opening up the Bible to prove that I'm actually reading it from the Bible. I kind of think, well, it's up there. I know that is the Bible. If you want to make sure that I'm reading what is in the Bible, please feel free to open your Bible. Uh, John chapter 16, uh, verse 16 says this. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more? Jesus, I think, was amazing. And then after a little while, you will see me. Uh, Yes, we were. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you've loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. If you've been around the last few weeks, I think if I was Jesus at this point, I'd be thinking, Man, have you not been listening over the last few hours? You know, the whole point from John 14, actually before that, Jesus has continuously been explaining what his purpose on earth is, who the Father is, what he's seeking to do. And all the way along, even kind of a few hours ago, one of them was saying, I don't understand. What are you talking about? So he explains. And they're still at this point saying, I don't understand. And then suddenly at this point, they go, ah, aha, now we understand Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. Man, they've seen so much. At the point at which she says, oh, this is why I know you're talking about. Oh, now we understand. This makes us believe that you came from God. Sobering moment. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered. 
each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble. Sorry, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus in these verses brings this sobering realization of what he's about to go through, of what it's going to mean to the disciples, his friends, of how they're going to be rocked to the core, filled with grief, full of kind of what on earth is going on, scattered. And yet in that moment of bringing realization of the reality of what's about to happen, Jesus also points to a greater reality of what's going to happen. As he points and said, actually, it's not going to just be like this. You're not going to be so confused of where there's this grief that fills your heart and you're thinking, what on earth is going on? Pointing to his death. He says, there will be a moment where you don't see me, verse 16, but then you will see me. He wants to understand that at this moment, as they're about to hit the point of scattering, the point of grief, it's going to be momentary. Because suddenly they're going to see him again as the resurrected Jesus. As the resurrected Jesus, he wants them to understand that that will change everything. It will change everything for them, but it will change everything for everyone in humanity who seeks to see who Jesus is and the difference that he can make to our lives. Because what Jesus does through these verses, he brings an invitation. I want us to unpack it through that way. An invitation of what comes about through his resurrection. And what I want us to see is three things particularly from this, of how he invites us. Inviting us to relationship, inviting us to know joy, and inviting us to know peace within trouble. And so I want us to start off then with this invitation. Because for us to understand it, for us to open it, we need to first look at what's going on in there. So firstly, it's an invitation to relationship. I remember when Lisa and I were going out, we went out for, we, we met very young. Uh, we've been married for over 20 years, and that's why I look as youthful and as good as I do. And Lucy does as well, because we met very, very young. And we met young, and my in laws, as are now, are relatively formal individuals, not out of a sense of wanting to be formal, but rather out of a sense of how they've been brought up. And therefore, I was asked to always address them as Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. That's because that was their surname, not just because they made it up. Um, <laughs> But there was a level of formality in our relationship. And so I would have to always refer to them as Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. And as an 18-year-old, I remember I used to fudge it a lot. because I found it quite uncomfortable. And so I'd go into their house side and I'd go, hello, Mr. and Mrs. And, and, and I'd go, hello. And then occasionally they'd look at me and I'd go, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. Very nice to see you. And they'd say, very nice to see you as well, Adrian. And that's how the relationship went on for about three and a half years until Lucy and I got engaged. At that point, I went round uh, to talk to them about the fact that we'd got engaged. Now, some of you are going to have questions about that. We can talk about that afterwards. That's a different story. Um, I went round and talked to them both about the fact we'd got engaged. And at that point, Lucy's dad lent in and he said, Well, this is great news, Adrian. And I want you to know from this day forward, you are no longer to address us, or address us as Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. You are to address us as Jeff and Sandra. Now, again, that's because that's their names, okay? <laughs> but what happened in that moment is suddenly, because of the commitment that Lucy and I were making, 
It was now meriting a deeper relationship that they wanted to ask me to understand that I was to now have with them. A relationship of familiarity that isn't only longer to be called Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin, which is what anyone who meets them in this room should call them, but rather as Jeff and Sandra's because now I was part of the family. That's what they were saying. And Jesus wants us to understand the same, that through him there's an invitation to relationship. So John 16, 27 says this, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. That Jesus wants us to understand that in us, saying, Jesus, we recognize who you are in your life, death, and resurrection, and invite and we love what you've done for us and receive your love for us. It then alters how we relate to who God is. Got to remember at this point for the disciples, God was someone who was this deity to be feared and one to be awed because he was perfect. One that you wouldn't ever seek to approach and say, oh yeah, he's my father. Jesus had talked that way and thought, this is crazy. We want to hang around with him because he sees God in a new way. And maybe if we hang around him, God will see us like he sees him through him. And Jesus says, well, no, it's not going to just be that. Actually, through me, you get to totally change how you relate to God. God isn't this distant deity. God is one who's calling you into relationship, one who wants you to understand that he's your father. So as soon as Jesus rises from the dead, you find a couple of his friends, two ladies, go to investigate what's going on, seeking to make sure that everything's been dealt with rightly, and they discover this resurrected Jesus. All his other friends, all the guys, were kind of nowhere to be seen. They were locked up in a room thinking, oh no, it's awful, it's awful. But the women, they knew there was something else going on. They wanted to make sure they got to see it. As they go, and boy, they're not disappointed. They meet Jesus. And Jesus' words to them are these, John 20, 17. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus is saying, now resurrected, there is a totally new way opened for everyone to relate to God. That through Jesus, by the Spirit, we're able to approach God as our Father. And as a father, we get to relate with him in a way that has substance, a relationship that has substance. So if you flip to the next side, we find that this relationship of substance is one where we are loved. Now, we haven't got time this morning to look at all these different verses. I'm going to be encouraging you as you get your envelope. You're going to see these verses are on there inside and you're going to get away and think, man, I want to really take hold of it. But we are loved. In other words, that God reveals his love, 1 John 4, 9, through the giving of his son. That's what God did. Ephesians 1.5, that, that we're loved by God. That's why he's called us to himself. It's a relationship of substance. Not only are we loved, we also belong. That we're forever now part of his family. Forever part of his household, Ephesians 2.19. That we're given access. That's what Jesus was talking about in John 16.23, saying, look, you don't have to think you've got to go and just keep coming to me. No, you're going to be able to go direct to the Father. Just as Jesus walked the planet with them, continue saying, Father, what's your will? What would you do? He's not saying, that's how you're to live. You're to live knowing you get to stand before the Father. Why? Ephesians 1.4. Because he sees you as blameless, clean before him. And he says, a relationship of substance where we get to receive provision. If these verses aren't printed out somewhere in your house, and I know we're in a day and age where everything's digital, but I just find it so helpful still, maybe it's my age, to have pieces of paper stuck around 
that I look at and remind them, like photos. Because when I look at a photo, it reminds me of a memory. When I remember the memory, I remember everything that goes with it. And I have verses stuck around my house, around my office, because it reminds me of the memory, of the reality I live in. So you have a father who's longing to provide for us, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and Matthew 7, 9 to 11. This father who is seeking to give us everything we need. That's the provision. The father who is longing to give us good things, knows what's best for us. This is the father that we're talking about. And Jesus says, all right, there's this invitation through my resurrection to each and every one of you to relationship. Relationship with the Father in order that we'd know we'd love, we belong, we're given access, we receive provision continuously throughout the, all of our days. And at this point we can think, open it up then. But Jesus says the invitation doesn't stop there because it's also an invitation to joy. John 16, 22, so with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And not one, no one will take away your joy. Jesus says there's a joy that each and every one of us get to know through his resurrection. See, joy is one of those funny things because joy is that feeling that each and every one of us will know at different points. Joy is that moment of delight or happiness and generally it's in response to something. And therefore, the thing is it can feel like we're chasers of joy. That we can think, all right, if I kind of do that activity, I know I feel that kind of sense of joy. If I hang out with them, I feel a sense of joy. Oh, someone's just given me a thousand pounds. I feel full of joy. Or maybe it's someone's given me 10 pounds. I feel full of joy. And if we're not careful, we start to think, all right, joy, that means something I'm going to chase after, something that's going to come occasionally into my life through centering my life on Jesus. And yet Jesus says, oh, no, no. The joy that I give you is a joy not based in what could happen, but a joy that's based in what has happened. And that's the thing we have to get really deep inside of us because this is an invitation to what to know joy in the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead and that changed everything see our joy is based in this event that's already happened Jesus resurrection therefore we get to live out of the fact that this joy then is already there for us to then enjoy so what does that joy look like? Well, that joy that comes out of Jesus' resurrection actually infects, affects, effects, all those different words, our lives in this moment now. So it means in this moment now we get to know joy through the life that Jesus offers. Vince Ricketts' favourite verse, if you did not know this, you will know it. John 10.10, 10, I have come, this is Jesus saying it, that they may have life, that's everyone, and have it to the full. Amen. Come on. I, thought, I thought I'd get a bigger amen, to be honest. He's about to go into an op tomorrow, so he's feeling kind of slightly tired. I'll say it again, because I think I'll get a bigger amen. John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. There we go. Why is Vince so excited about that verse? Because that's the joy-giving verse. Because Jesus didn't come to give you and I this kind of tiny little life. <laughs> A tiny little life that's kind of nice. I get to smile. And then one day, I'll see him. Ooh. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. He's saying now in this moment when you take the invite and you receive Jesus, you get life in the full. 
Man, Pepsi Max have been trying to live up to that kind of call ever since they heard it. Because they say, hey, take this, you get life in the fall. What's that? Motorbike across a mountain gap. I don't know, skydiving without a parachute. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Sometimes my brain carries on. And I do not know what I'm saying. This, the life in fall that Jesus offered... It's this life that is about the relationship with the Father that causes us to know we have this life full of love, unconditional. Nothing we can do to love, be loved any more or less. A, a life that's of acceptance, a life that's full of peace, of wholeness, a life that's full of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. A life that comes and, and says, actually, I will give you everything. I'm never going to cause you to be alone. So it's a life that allows us to know there's never a moment where we're abandoned. However dark life gets, Jesus says, I'm in there with you. A life that's full. That isn't that we think, all right, I've had it. But it's a life that Paul then spoke about in Ephesians 4. He prays, or Ephesians 3, sorry. Come after me and slap me as to which one it was. And he prays and says, that you'd grasp how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ. Why? Because it's a life that keeps getting filled. So at the point at which we say, hey, I'm full of the love of God, God says, ah, oh, there's so much more. And we become like the balloon, a balloon that will never pop. Because however much of God we've got, there's still more to be filled of him. But it's not only a life of fool, but it's also a life of purpose. How many people do you bump into kind of shoulders with? And, or maybe how many times do you ask yourself, why am I here? And Jesus comes and says, actually, through my resurrection, I give you purpose. Why are you here? Are you to be the light of the world? And you're to be the ones who now reveal the wonder of the life that I offer to everyone. In everything. That's why you're here. And I tell you what, when you understand that, it suddenly changes everything about what you and I do day in, day out. Because suddenly we realize, you know what, it doesn't matter how bright we think we are. It doesn't matter if we think we're kind of some little dim lit torch, or we think we're some massive kind of, kind of searchlight that's kind of blinding, blinding. It doesn't matter. Because I tell you what, if there's darkness, it doesn't matter which light you've got, you'll still see it. So Jesus comes and invites us to a joy to know now that we have purpose, we have life in full, but also it's a joy for the future. A joy for the future that Jesus defeated death. Man, I don't know about you, but I get excited when we say, oh, happy day, happy day. Why? Because not only is my sin taken away, but Jesus defeated death. Death has no sting. Defeated forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. And if you were to carry on and read the whole of that, it's like this pummeling in of death, of saying, death, you think you're to be feared? Well, Jesus, he resurrected, and he's now proved that actually he's the first fruit for everyone who believes in him will never, ever have to face the sting of death. Because death, where is your victory? Nowhere, that's where it is. Because Jesus has defeated it. Which means that we're a bunch of people who grieve like no others. Because the reality is, people do die. I'm not dismissing that. I don't need to be locked away. But we understand that that death isn't the end. That Jesus will rise everyone who's put their faith in him. 
Therefore, it's not to be feared. We grieve and we say, I'm sad they're not around, but I'm joyful because I know I'll see them again. And boy, what a time we'll get to see him because also it promises that Jesus is the first fruit of all being restored. This is the thing I think that's amazing. So it isn't just the promise of victory over death that we get joy in, but also the fact that Jesus, through his resurrection, has become the seed, the first fruit that promises that everything that we see, everything that's known and everything that isn't known yet in our universe is going to be redeemed and restored, resurrected to new life as he was. Colossians 1, 18 to 20, favourite version, the message. Why? Because it is sublime in its, in kind of its way of describing it. Sorry, I just really like it. Um, so, <laughs> he, Jesus, was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end, from beginning to end. He's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood and poured out down from the cross. I don't know how big you think Jesus' victory is. I don't know how much you think Jesus did through his resurrection. But through his resurrection, he birthed a moment that said it's never going to be the same ever again. It is now made new and the promise is that the new is going to sweep through to the ends of the universe. I don't know about you, but that fills me with joy. Jesus is in control. But the invitation doesn't end there. The invitation is also that we can have peace within trouble. Or peace when in trouble. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome it. Jesus is the best reality giver ever. Promise of relationship, promise of joy, and the promise there will be trouble. <laughs> I missed out the bit just before this where he speaks about the trouble, and it's pretty dark, to be honest. But the reality is this, that he promises there will be trouble, but we will know peace. What is that trouble? I say there's trouble that comes. There's trouble that comes in following Jesus. And Jesus wants to understand that. If I stand here and say, oh yeah, follow Jesus, life's totally fine. I'm a liar. Because actually just in following Jesus, it means that sometimes it's going to cause you trouble. In this nation, we're actually able to practice our faith in Jesus incredibly freely. In many nations in the world, you cannot. And so the trouble that comes in following Jesus is often death. For us, we don't live that way, but there's still trouble that comes. There's trouble that can come through opposition. People simply say, what, you're a Christian? I remember a friend of mine, we've worked it through now, but as soon as he heard what I did, and so the Christian thing comes out quite quickly with me, so, you know, who are you, Adrian, what do you do? I lead a church. Probably a Christian then. Um, <laughs> and he said, he said this, Adrian, just for you to know, if you're a Christian, I don't want anything to do with that. It was going to tarnish and shape our relationship. Opposition, being misunderstood. Being misunderstood often is that, oh, don't you Christians think? Oh, you Christians always think you're better than us, don't you? Because that's what you talk, isn't it? Of being missed out. 
of that moment of the values or the integrity you're living with actually causes people to say, let's not invite them out. <laughs> and they're going to be a dampener on the evening. Or let's not seek to promote them. Because if we let them in, I'm not sure if we want their values here. Or maybe it's through accusations. We need to be clear on this. There is one who is our enemy, the devil, and he is out to accuse us. And therefore, sometimes we'll just find that people have accusations, false against us, but get lots and lots of airplay to them. Opposition comes. Trouble comes. But there's also there's a trouble in spite of. In spite of the fact that we're with Jesus. Because the reality is this, that being with Jesus doesn't mean we're safeguarded from just life happening. The life-happening moments of sickness, of unemployment, of not quite be, having enough money to kind of get through the week, or the small moments, like this morning where I get a text that says, Adrian, have you still got the keyboard? And I realise that I've not responded to that, and it's 10 to 10 in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh man, I've let loads of people down. What a nut. And you guys are thinking, so what? That's not a biggie. For me, I'm like, oh. So it's like a tiny moment. And in that moment, I'm squeezed. I think I've let people down. And in that moment, whether it's a tiny moment or a big moment of trouble, the invitation is, are you going to know peace? Because God, Jesus wants us to invite us to know peace, a peace that comes in understanding that he is with us. A peace of understanding that Jesus understands whatever we're going through, Hebrews 4, 15. And a peace that comes in understanding that Jesus has the final word. And for some of us, we have to rest on that. Because the trouble we're going through, we're not potentially going to see the light of before we meet him. And in those moments, the fact that Jesus has the final word, Philippians 2.10, that one day everything will fall and kneel before him, is the thing that brings us peace. Because say, actually, regardless of what life throws at me, Jesus, I know you have the final word. So we get back to the invitation then quickly. See, the invitation is there. The question is, will we open it? And when we open it, how are we going to respond to it? Because once you've got the invitation, there's then a need to say, well, I received this invitation. Or you could just say, no, I don't want to receive it. That's up to you. But if you are going to receive it, you take it, you open it. And then in receiving it, you then got to respond to it. How do you respond Well, for some of us, maybe we're responding for the first time and we're saying, Jesus, if this is the invitation you offer for your life, death and resurrection, of relationship with God, of joy throughout the whole of life, of peace within trouble, then Jesus, I say, I want in. I want this. And it's as simple as that. You say, my response is, I RSVP to you, Jesus, and say, I want this. For many of us, though, that we've said we're in already, The question is, are we still responding to the invite? Because I'd say that this invite is one that you have to respond to daily. And how I'd say is to do it is just to use some language we've used before that just helps us is we pause. That daily we take moments, we make time within our days to say, Jesus, I receive your invite again. And in that pause of receiving the invite, we then center, we say, Jesus, I now take this moment to remember and receive your invitation. 
And as I remember and receive the, the breadth of your invitation, I'm going to do that through my prayers that I pray, through the photos I'm looking at, the Bible verses that are around me that bring the memories of what you're offering me. I take that in and then say, now I continue through my life. From this point on, through this day, I want to say, I want to be one who lives out of the invite that you've offered me. And there are some days where that's enough. We pause, we wake up and we say, Jesus, I receive. Jesus, I've got. Jesus, I continue. There are many days where we have to do that process many times throughout our day. Of coming back and saying, God, in this moment, I receive your invitation. I respond to your invitation. And now I continue in your invitation. Which leads us back then to the envelope. Take it up if you would. The question is this. Will you open the invite? If you will, open it. There are no checks for a thousand pounds in them. Um, now you've got the invite. The question is, will you now receive this invite and will you respond to it? Because at the bottom there is an RSVP and only you can do that. And as we said at the end of worship, we do want to give some time for ministry. We do want to give a moment for people to respond. And I wonder if I could just get us to start by standing I wonder also if someone on the welcome team could just go and speak to the kids workers and say, Adrian's waffled this morning. He is deeply apologetic, but he's going to finish slightly late. I promise I'll only be a maximum of 10 minutes. Um, in it though, I just want us to close our eyes. And just if I was closed, I just want us ask these questions again we've opened the invite are we going to receive it afresh today maybe this morning is a morning where you want to say Jesus I've never ever formally accepted your invite and today I want to receive it and for you in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond but maybe that we have responded before and for today Today's preach is about tomorrow, but it's also about this moment now. And I felt there were some particular groups of people that I felt God wanted to draw in, in response. I think there's some of us who maybe have come today and we have got the invite, but it's like other invites. And we think, man, I need to get ready though, don't I, to get to respond to the invite. I don't know, maybe it feels like it's a wedding invite. And we think, man, I've not got the right clothes on. And if people really knew what was going on in my life at the moment. And yet what Jesus says is actually, you come to me as you are. I invite you as you are. And for some of us, we need to hear that today, that God wants to meet us exactly as we are. For some of us, we've come this morning, we just forgot we were invited. We've kind of just been going on in life. And we forgot the invitation was there for relationship, for joy, for peace. And we've just been going off in our own steam. And today is a moment of saying, Jesus, I just remember and I receive. For some of us, it's that we started to believe that 
Yeah, the invite's for everyone else, but is it really for me? Is anyone going to notice if I'm not there? Do I really matter? And that's why everyone has the envelope. Because I felt like today Jesus wanted us, every single one of us, to know he invites you. Which is why I felt what Colin brought was so important. Jesus invites you. And then the last group is just some people who know you're just hitting trouble at the moment. Trouble is around you and you just feel like you're hanging on and you just need some people to stand with you and say, do you know what? Jesus is here to bring peace to you. I just wonder if I could ask you, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to ask Andrew just to play something just so it feels less kind of uncomfortable um, with silence. But I just wonder, with our eyes closed, just for a moment, just think, am I in one of those areas? Because if you are, I'd really love to get some time to pray for you. And how I want to do that is um, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. And that isn't because there's something special at the front. Please don't hear that. It's just because there's a bit of space. And why I'm asking you to come to the front isn't because I want you to feel uncomfortable. But I felt like it's important when you receive something, you have to respond. And I felt like for us today that there was a need for us to respond. But to understand that in us responding, it isn't that everyone else is then thinking, oh, they've gone forward. No, no. It's as though there's that moment of just everyone else seeing it as this moment of, hooray, they've responded. Isn't this amazing? Which means that we will have to push past a few people to get through, but that's okay. But I'm going to ask now, and I get to three. When I get to three, I just want you to come forward. And what happens is there'll be a nervous moment where we think, has anyone else gone forward? And don't worry about that because someone will, I promise you. But you want to receive the invite for the first time. You want to know that Jesus accepts you as you are. You've forgotten that you were invited. And you want to remember. You want to receive that you do matter. Or you're in a point of trouble. One, two, three, come. Thank you. See, people are coming. So if you're there and you think, can I? You can't. Just come right up. Just once you're up, just close your eyes. Then you'll not be worried about other people looking at you. They're not. Just come right up. Just keep coming. Just where you are, if you've come forward, just because it's sometimes hard to see who's come forward, can you just put your hands out, just a way of saying, God, I'm open to you. I want to receive what you've got f- for me. I just recognise this, that there's some of us who haven't come forward. So what I'd like you to do is just to come and just stand with those that have come forward. It might mean to move them into space. Just stand with them. Put your hand on them and say, God, I, I want to pray for this person. If I ask for you to be kind of guys with guys, girls with girls, and I'm just going to pray. And then I'd encourage you as you're praying for individuals, say, why have you come forward? How can I pray for you? It saves a lot of time. So Jesus, we just come this morning and we just say, God, would you come and meet with us? Jesus, we see your invite that's open to us. And Jesus, we receive it. 
And Jesus, I pray for every individual that's come forward. I thank you that you knew they were going to be here today and you wanted to gain their attention. And Jesus, I pray, would you come and meet with them now? I pray, Jesus, would you come and would you cause them to know that you are good to your word, that you respond in kind to our response to your invitation. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and meet every single one of them.